Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Josh J.C. Felto, and this is The Writer's Lens. So this is going to be in uh, episode 33, which is titled Soulmates in Storytelling. And this is not the type of soul, like S-O-L-E, like from your shoe or the bottom of your foot. Uh, this is S-O-U-L, which is uh, that highly popular topic that might come up in romance novels or science fiction or the supernatural. Yes, the soul of a human being. And if you did a quick Google search or Wikipedia on what a soul is, you might get a uh, a bevy of different answers, but uh, for the most part, what you can get is this concept of kind of a immortal quality of a person, uh, perhaps like a floating amoeba, you know, like the the ghost ghostly part of ourselves that goes on after we die, or or it's actually the physical body as it goes on and and can never be absolutely destroyed in some sense, as well as this concept that it's a quality of a person, you know, like someone has a lot of soul, uh, perhaps in arts and entertainment or, or something of that nature. But regardless, though, soul, S-O-U-L, and the mate, the soul mate is a, is a pretty popularized concept in pop culture, in storytelling, in literature. And I just want to unpack this concept a bit in story, in, uh, in story and I don't want to be a bit of a buzzkill in this episode. I really don't want to be, but I feel like I might be because I do want to uh, talk a little bit about what reading about soulmates can do to us, what viewing the concept of a soulmate can do to us, and also just how is it mostly viewed? You know, how is it mostly presented in stories that we that we see when this this concept of the soulmate is is given to us? So so let's unpack this. Let's just get right into this thing. And again, I'm not trying to be a buzzkill on romanticism, but but just follow me on this as, as we get through this episode. So here we go. So first of all, what is so attractive about the idea of a soulmate? Uh, you know, what element of having a soulmate is, is so sought after? You know, why is it such a sexy thing? And to me, when I, when I think about the term soulmate, I, I think about certain stories like The Matrix, for instance. So if we go back to 1998, 1999, uh, again, I don't think I'm dating myself. There's a story in there, a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi, okay, for anyone who's never seen it. I would assume anybody who's listening to this has seen The Matrix. But there's two characters, Neo and Trinity, who are somewhat fated to be together. You know, they, they, they can't get away from one another. The, the consequences of their birth, the, the fact that they will find each other and love one another, they just can't escape it. Okay, they're just destined to be. All right, as many times there's, this is kind of alluded to, and then, you know, you can see it in their eyes when they look at one another, even though Keanu's kind of clueless, you know, which is kind of part of his character. Uh, they're just, they're, there's no way of getting around that they're going to be together. So this touches on the very first notion that I want to talk about with the soulmate that I think is, is, is such a deep, inherent part of the human experience, which is companionship. It's this very carnal, very... Uh, deep down desire to have a companion, someone that's beside us at the end of a day, you know, through challenges, through good times, you know, someone to share things with as we go through life. I mean, we're very sociable creatures as it is. Uh, you know, we like being around people, you know, introverted people, maybe a little bit less than extroverts. Uh, but overall, we, we have to be sociable. You know, our brains demand it in some sense. And we also enjoy a very tangible person 
that can be next to us uh, whenever we go through these different things, all these different emotions that we feel, you know, the highs, the lows, whatever they are. Companionship is, is pretty high on our list of needed things uh, for us during our lifetime. So that's the first one as to why the concept of the soulmate is, is such a sexy thing. Secondly, completedness. Okay, the idea that a soulmate will somehow complete us and we will no longer be sort of half of a circle. You know, we're all like semicircles walking around just looking for the other piece to make us whole. Uh, which to me, again, from my own personal beliefs, makes a lot of sense that this would be a very attractive notion uh, considering how broken we are as individuals and how much if we actually look deep down inside of ourselves and begin to admit a lot of things about ourselves, we, we fall short on so many areas of our life. Okay, no one does anything 100% perfectly. And there's always this void in some sense that we're trying to fill. And if we are looking for something very tangible, if we're a very materialistic person, if we're a very naturalistic person, we might look for another person to complete that void. Uh, to fill that void for ourselves. Uh, you know, this might be very popular for a lot of serial daters. Uh, you know, not that I'm saying I was ever above that notion, but but folks that you just know, like they're always chasing the next high in a relationship, right? They're just, they're kind of filling a void by going after a person. Now, a lot of people may do this through, you know, alcohol or drugs or other things, but everybody has that thing that f makes them feel a bit fractured. You know, like they're not quite all there. So again, the idea of a person completing us is it seems like a really great thing. Okay, on the on the surface, it sounds like a really really great thing. So we have completedness, and we have companionship that are high on that that order of why soulmates are are such a sought after thing. And the last part of this, though, which I may get some flack for, but I want to at least talk about it, is the soulmate presents this notion that it's not about really me changing at all, because it's all about me. It's all about me getting what I want. I'm the broken one. I'm the one that doesn't necessarily have it all together, but I deserve this. You know, I'm entitled to have a person that can complete me. So I get what I want, and the other person doesn't necessarily get what they want, but at least within the context of the story, it seems like they do because they're just so drawn to me. And I say me, 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 and I know a lot of you know, folks that may be listening to this will go, well, Josh, if it's a story about soulmates, it's two people, you're watching it happen. Uh, like, it's it's not you necessarily in the story. And I would say, yes, that's true. But whenever we do watch stories, whether they're fiction or uh, an account of something that happened that's true, part of what makes storytelling so dynamic is how we, we are able to sympathize or empathize with the main characters, with whatever character it is that we're watching. I mean, it's a big part of why our history is even told in story format. You know, something starts out, something happens. There's like a rising action. There's a climax to what kickstarted everything. And then there's sort of this solution that comes to fruition at the end of the story. And the same is true for when we meet people or we hear a story about two people. We're kind of putting ourselves and we're inserting ourselves into these situations, which, again, is why I think storytelling is so incredibly powerful and influential because depending upon the themes or the ideas that we present to other people, they can have a huge long lasting impact. I mean, I think about films that have impacted me from when I was a, a little kid or when I was a teenager, or even now as an adult, I, I see a story and it really touches me. And part of that is, is empathizing with characters, sympathizing with them. And if we are sympathizing with certain characters, 
we put ourselves in their shoes and now we're one of them. Okay, we're not just both of them. We're one of those characters. So we look at these characters and we say to ourselves, that should be me or that could be me. Or maybe I want to say it vice versa. That could be me or that should be me. Right? So if these two people can find each other and fate brings them together, the universe brings them together, it's a great romance story. It's a great sort of love at first type concept. That should also be me. Now notice how there's no mention in this of me changing anything I'm doing. There's no cha change in me of what I'm doing or what necessarily I'm, I'm looking for. Because the soulmate is all about me, again, and I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack this a little bit more, but I want to hit one more one more point on this about uh, not about me changing is that not only is it not about me changing, the other person's actually glad to fulfill all of my needs, because that's essentially what the story of the soulmate kind of is telling us is that not only are they happy to have found us because fate has brought us together. But they're glad to be there despite the problems that we that we are going through, despite all the issues that we face up front. They're glad to be there. And this actually, I think, has a has a really good teaching moment, regardless if you're uh, if you're someone that reads fiction or, or reads uh, nonfiction. The idea of someone sticking around despite your faults is actually a very admirable thing. So that part of it, I don't think is bad whatsoever. You know, I, I think that that actually is a very admirable thing because that really touches on the most supreme ethic of them all, which is, which is unconditional love, is this idea that even though you don't deserve it, I still am going to, to give you the best, um, even if you don't deserve it, even if you might think you're entitled to it, or even if you're not entitled to it, I still try to do what's best for you that's going to give you life and is going to help you to get through whatever it is that you're getting through. So that part of it I'm not uh, against, I should say, because I don't want this episode to come off as me sounding like this anti-romance novel, you know, person that, oh, there's no such thing as, as love. No, that's, that's not it at all. I, I'm just trying to hit some high points about this, again, what I think is a highly romanticized concept in Hollywood and a lot of stories, which is the, the soulmate, S-O-U-L mate. So again, just to recap real quick before I, I hit my last couple points companionship, completedness, and it's not about changing me because it's actually all about me, uh, this idea of the soulmate. And to segue into the last part of this episode, you might be disagreeing with everything that I've said, and that's that's totally fine. Because you might say, well, these stories are actually quite romantic, Josh, and I like these stories. And it makes me want to shoot for something, right? It makes me believe that I actually can find someone out there that's going to help me get through life or is going to complete me in some sense. Now, again, I'm not against people finding love or a companion or anyone like or, or anyone like that in, in their lifetime. But I do disagree in some sense with this idea of having no control over the circumstances. This, this concept that fate was was totally drawing us together and we had no free will in this whatsoever so therefore we have no accountability you know we don't have to take any responsibility for the fact that if i thought you were my soulmate so i'd give you everything and then you reject me and now i i kind of tally that up and i tab it up as saying well that person wasn't my soulmate well the confusion now is is that i'm mistaking a lifelong uh 
journey of getting to know someone and loving them and them becoming my soulmate with immediate infatuation and lust. And and this is where me as a writer, I get a little bit kind of leery about, well, how do I write a love story in one of my own stories? You know, how am I supposed to accurately convey what does a, a good love story look like? Because I think it's very easy to go down the route of the relationship is very passionate, you know, and there's a lot of sex and there's a lot of really high points very early on in the relationship. It's almost like people know each other and it's very unrealistic. And granted, if you're writing fiction, it's unrealistic, period. Okay, I I totally get that. But think about just in your own life, again, putting ourselves in the shoes of the people that we're listening to or we're watching in a story, in a movie, or we're reading about in a book. Is it very realistic to say that you meet someone and within two months, if you've given everything to them, especially your own body, does this really promote a long-term success for a relationship to actually have a soulmate? And I I think the data presents this as being a big emphatic no. Uh, And I think just experientially, uh, myself, from my own dating life and dating experiences, I would also say no. So for myself as a writer, when I think about this concept of the soulmate, I would rather write stories where there's this idea of a long-term goal of creating deep roots and strengthening a bond with a with one person, uh, which in my case would be my wife, that will be cultivated over years of working at it, at it with one another because we are both broken people. Okay, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. My wife's not perfect. But if I'm going to write a story that, again, is fictional, and it could be sci-fi, which is a little bit more of my bent, I want to be able to present this idea of love in the proper way that does not uh, hypocritically present a false notion of what love ought to look like. Because again, I don't want the soulmate concept uh, to be something that I sound like I'm totally against. Because I think you can have a soulmate. And I think that's the person, again, that you cultivate a whole lifetime of experiences with. It's not a flash-in-the-pan, uh, faded, no-control-over-circumstances. And to all the hopeless romantics out there, myself included, <laughs> it is very sexy to think of it that way. That I have no control over myself and I have no... Uh, say in the matter. It's just this person overwhelms me in a sense when they're around me. And that can't happen to us, but we don't want to confuse our emotions. You know, we don't want to confuse uh, what is actually going on because it does affect our souls, which is why this concept of the soul, which when I was defining it at the beginning of this episode, what it really represents is this immaterial, this intangible sort of transcendent quality of a human being that is going to go on for a long time. And that's how we ought to treat it. Because if it is a soulmate, this will go on for a much longer period of time. It's not about immediately experiencing all the highs and the physical pleasures and the material pleasures and you know the running through the bank account just to get to that three-month mark and go, okay, I've had enough of you. I'm done with you. This is, this is over, right? And in Hollywood movies, it happens a lot. In maybe in a lot of romance novels, perhaps cheesier ones, it happens quite a bit too. But I really would want to, again, turn the head a bit on this concept of the soulmate by just kind of in, engaging whoever's listening to this 
to rethink this concept of what the soulmate is. I don't think it's an immediate love at first sight concept. I think it really is a cultivated years-long process of getting to know someone, learning all their broken states, and still presenting yourself with that unconditional love to learn them as they learn you. And hopefully that is going to be reciprocated because, as I said in previous episodes, my my worldview, my belief system, being of the Judeo-Christian one would say that we are all broken individuals and we are all, are all looking for that person uh, that in some way completes us. But let me tell you this, as great or as amazing as perhaps your spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend might be, they aren't going to be able to fill every single void in your life. They just won't be able to. And I'm not saying that as a challenge. I'm just saying that what I believe to be a fact. So I'll, I'll leave it at that on this episode because, again, I don't want to sound like a buzzkill. <laughs> I don't want this to come off as a really intense uh, sort of difficult episode to swallow uh, because, um, quite honestly, I, I'd rather be a little more upbeat uh, than be uh, uber serious like it has been here in this one. But I just, I don't know. You know, I was really feeling like this was something I wanted to get off my chest and really kind of present to you guys uh, with this uh, with this topic in this particular week. So that's what's been stirring in my heart anyway and what has been on my mind and uh, just uh, what I felt like sharing this week. So appreciate you guys for checking in on my podcast. Uh, if you're looking for other content, I was a special guest on Substance TV this past week. Uh, and I should be on there again. At least uh, that's what uh, they were telling me. So uh, so a special shout out and thanks to Jason Howard and Brian Del Turco. I love your guys' stuff. And thanks again for having me on. Uh, but other than that, I will catch up with you guys again next week uh, for another episode of The Writer's Lens. This is Josh J.C. Alfelto, and I will see you guys again soon. Thank you.